Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name is Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. the Todd Father. Caleb, I have a problem. Okay. I, went, I walked outside yesterday after I took a shower and my beard froze. Well, I'm not sure I can help you with that. It was just uncomfortable. That's all I had to say about it. I needed to vent a little bit. It is cold here in Ohio, but hopefully it's warm wherever you are, or at least warmer than Ohio. We have a great episode for you today. Today we are going to be talking with Margie Kerr. And Margie recently wrote a book, or not so much recently, um, but wrote a book called Scream. And it's all about understanding fear. And we talked with her about um, fear and kind of like some of the positive things that can happen whenever it comes to fear. So it's really a great conversation. However, before we get into that, we are starting something new. We have a new segment for you guys, and, and we it's just this new new fun thing. And so what we're going to be doing is every episode, we're going to be giving you a new Learner's Corner approved resource for you to check out this week. And today, Caleb J. Mason is giving the presentation. I am. Yeah, as all of you know, if you've been listening to the podcast very long, we're lifelong learners. And so we want to share some resources that we've been learning from some podcasts, maybe some apps, books, whatever it may be, of stuff that is working well for us or things that has either shifted our paradigm or helped us learn even more. So, Caleb, what is your resource of the week? My resource of a week of the week is from a podcast called the think orange podcast and i absolutely love this podcast this is one of my favorite podcasts that i listen to guys legit he talks about it a lot just a lot sometimes i get behind on the episodes. shout out kevin jennings shout out dave adamson shout out everybody else sometimes i get behind on the podcast because i got a lot of stuff that i need to listen to But I was listening to an episode recently. It is episode 39 of the podcast. It's called Tips and Tools for Time Management. And it's an absolute great podcast. Uh, It features a couple of people named Frank Beeler and Will Hutcherson. Here are a couple of takeaways that I learned from this podcast. One of the things is whenever someone asks you to do something, don't hesitate to ask the question, when do you need this by Because a lot of people, they may give you a task list or something to do, and it can feel like an emergency. And especially if you're on your day off or something along those lines, which I know for us, Todd, and working in the church never happens at all. Right. You need to ask the question, when do you need this by? And help determine whether or not it's an emergency or something that I can wait towards later. And then the other thing that he talked about is he gave a question, and it's, would you rather be a slave to your calendar or to chaos. And he talked about the idea Mm. of you need to be intentional about scheduling everything that you do on your calendar. Like put your routines and everything on there and schedule that. And then if something comes up, then you can work around it. Or it's easier to say no to something because you already have it scheduled on your calendar. Anyway, that's a great resource that I've been learning from recently. Again, it's the Think Orange podcast, number 39. And we'll be linking to it in the show notes. That has been your resource of the day. I just felt like that was so necessary. Now, as I said earlier, uh, today we're going to be talking with Margie K. 
Kerr, and we're really excited to talk with her today. So without further ado, we're going to join our conversation with Marky. Well, Marky, welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast today. We're so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. You know, just as we get started, you know, one thing that, you know, we were wondering about is what got you interested in investigating the topic and researching the topic of fear? So uh, my background is in sociology. I, I got my PhD in 2009. And uh, for most of my academic career, I had studied fear um, through the lens of, of social movements and, and really through the lens of social justice and uh, looked at fear as you know, often being behind things like racism and discrimination and homophobia and sexism, that when you keep kind of unpacking those issues, typically it's fear of other people. And so uh, I really was um, looking at fear in a very negative light. Uh, and then I realized one day as I was looking for something fun to do um, and found a haunted house that there's this other side to fear, that there are uh, positive you know, qualities that come from, uh, from being afraid that, you know, it's definitely uh, responsible for our survival and a necessary function for humans just in general to be able to uh, respond quickly and efficiently in times of threat. So I really wanted to try and understand fear from a different angle, how it functions in um, the body, how it functions in society. Uh, and really why people would choose to engage with uh, scary material. I don't engage with scary material. <laughs> it's not for everybody, that's for sure. I literally have, you can, my mother would attest to this, I have never watched a scary movie in my life. You know, yeah, just... and that's okay. I always tell people who don't like scary things that that's fine too. You know, it's, it's all about... Um, you know, people finding ways to challenge themselves that are voluntary and that are, you know, at the end of the day, fun for them and, and can help build a sense of um, solidarity with, with their friends or, or just, you know, do something new to expand their uh, emotional boundaries and learn about yourself. I actually just had a friend earlier today because she knows that I'm into podcasts and she actually uh, asked me if I heard of this podcast. I guess it's like a like a scary, like a ghost podcast. And it's like this super scary thing. And and so I just told her, I was like, why would I ever want to be driving in my car and like get creeped out before I go to work? Like that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> but, but I do know that some people are really, really into it, which is why I'm really, really curious to hear some of the things that, that you, uh, that you say to us here in a little bit. Yeah. There are a lot of really good uh, podcasts out there that are scary fun. What are, what are some that you like to listen to, Margie? Um, I'm a big fan. I like true crime in general. Uh, Lore is a good one, and that has now moved to Amazon. So um, you can see reenactments and kind of the stories brought to life uh, on Lore. Um, what are a few other ones? I, I generally stick to just listening to true crime and, uh, you know, just kind of um, historical looks at things that we used to be afraid of, uh, and to get an idea of how our fears have evolved over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've listened to a few episodes of lore and it's always interesting of how, you know, where the origins of some of these like scary stories start. 
Yeah, definitely. And they're usually rooted in in very real fears, like being buried alive, um, which which is know, one of my greatest fears, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just as I was reading the book, you know, it was amazing of all the different types of fears that you that you literally faced and you traveled across, you know, of the world to visit some of the scariest places. Can you tell us about some of the places that you've been and some of the fears that you faced? Sure. So I went to uh, Japan and there I went to a whole bunch of different haunted attractions, which some were very similar to the ones we have in the U.S. and others were more um, specific to Japanese culture and more, uh, heavily themed with ghosts and kind of a creepy vibe. Um, and while I was there, I also went to the, uh, the Ogigahara forest, which is the, the suicide forest at the base of Mount Fuji, um, which is known for being a very beautiful forest and, and very kind of, um, it, it does inspire these, uh, a sense of awe. Uh, but also it is the second most popular destination for suicide. And I went there to confront the fear of death, to, to think about, you know, what and why are, are the confronting our own mortality, what kinds of things that brings up for us and, and what is, is scary about it. Because it's not just, you know, oh, we'll be dead, but there's also fears around how we're going to die or, you know, what happens to people. Uh, after we die, what happens to our body? So really trying to untangle the very multi-layered fear of death. Um, I also went to South America, uh, Bogota, Colombia, and uh, explored some of their haunted spaces and uh, just how culture really informs their engagement with um, with scary but you know fun kinds of activities. They have a, a lot of um, uh, I guess sort of extreme sports types of things. So you can go skydiving and parasailing and all that, or not parasailing, but parachuting all different kinds of stuff, but there's not really a big haunted attraction um, industry there. And in the U S I went to a whole bunch of different uh, scary places, um, you know, just abandoned um, prisons and asylums. And, you know, in the U.S., we definitely have this idea that some places are more scary than others and trying to figure out what the patterns are and why uh, they're so scary, what we um, are really tapping into in those spaces and kind of seeing how those spaces are are getting us close to um, things that we're afraid of in ourselves or afraid of, you know, for our families, just the threat of violence or threat of, um, you know, solitary confinement, the threat of, of being left alone. Um, so yeah, I just kept trying to, to dig a little further, um, and see why, you know, we're afraid of the things that we are. Uh, by the way, guys, I, I figured out what that podcast was called. It's called Pseudopod, just saying, um, that scary podcast that my friend mentioned to me. Anyways, um, Margie, I was just wondering, what's the scariest place you've ever been? Um, like the one that well, really had you going. The, the the scariest I've ever felt uh, was probably on the CN Tower in Toronto. Um, so it's the tallest building in the Western Hemisphere. It's I think about 116 stories high, and they have an edge walk where you can walk outside and around it. Uh, and you're attached by a harness, but it's just you're standing on a metal grate. There's no railing or, or you know, gate or anything like that. And I didn't think that I would be as uh, scared as I was, but I really was just terrified. And you're you're up there for a while, for like 30 minutes. So you have time to kind of 
think about what you're doing and imagine yourself falling to the ground and splattering. And it just is so just taps into this deep instinct of, Oh my gosh, you know, I shouldn't be up here. I can't fly. I'm going to die. Um, and, and then you just get to stand there and, and try and, uh, and kind of wrap your mind around what you're doing. And so that was the, the most scared I ever felt, um, you know, in my body. I don't even like flying on planes, so I can't even imagine what that would feel like. And yes, listeners, I just admitted that I don't like flying on planes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they never thought that the airplane would take off because they thought people would never get over their fear of, of flying. Um, really? And yeah. Yeah. I was just, uh, it's a, there's a, a good book uh, by a historian looking at, at historical fears and um, Joanna Burke wrote it. And, uh, and yeah, the, when airplanes began, uh, kind of taking off as an industry to so, say, oh, well, this is never going to really be a, a commercial industry because people are too afraid to, to fly. And that's funny because now, I mean, it's crazy uh, how we access the whole world through flying. So that is interesting. I, I, though, I am a little afraid of heights. It's not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Margie, just as we're kind of switching gears a little bit, you know, can you kind of define what fear is or at least what your definition of fear is? Yeah, and that's one of the most difficult things to really do because there are so many different definitions that people use. Um, you know, fear is that thing that everybody knows, but when you really start breaking it down to a, a concrete definition, it varies depending on the discipline. And uh, I really I go with the approach um, that focuses more on on what what we're looking at, what, what is being studied. So there's the, the threat response, the physiological reaction that happens in the body when we are threatened in an acute way. So the acute threat and the reaction that typically goes along with that. Um, so the fight or flight response. But even that looks very different uh, person to person. And even within the person, it can look different each time that you are scared you know, in an immediate way. Um, and then there's the emotion fear. So the, the label that we give to these sensations. Um, and so that then is far more subjective and really is dependent on the, the person creating in the moment um, this experience that they label fear. And so it's going to be based on their context. So where are they? How did they get there? Can they leave? Um, are there previous experiences where they've been in the same situation and it hasn't gone well? So when it comes to, to defining it, it really ends up being a, a matter of um, what, what is the area of interest, finding out how the body responds or finding out you know, how people um, are using this label of fear in instances and what, what, you know, how is it impacting their, um, the rest of their life. So one of the things that I that I find interesting about about this is it fear actually I mean lol it's a scary thing but people yeah. are so fascinated by it like I'm just thinking I guess of, of the month of October and how you know we do all these things why are people absolutely just fascinated by fear like as you were just have been researching things why are people so fascinated by it yeah, so um, a lot of fear revolves around uncertainty. Just you know, not knowing something is scary because we don't have any information to let us know whether it could hurt us or not. So you know, the more information, the more we're able to understand something, the typically the less afraid we are of it, or we have a better uh, approach to that fear. I mean, 
tigers and bears, they're scary. We know that they're scary, um, but we kind of understand them. So that reduces the, the fear uh, around them. Um, so we have a, um, you know, we're curious creatures. We want to investigate and explore so that we have a, a knowledge of our environment and can better predict how we should act in it and how we should act to protect ourselves and meet our goals. Um, so a lot of the morbid fascination or the, the times where you want to look away, but you just can't, um, you know, it could be instances where you're just trying to gain more information about something that you don't understand um, because you want to you want to understand it. You want to uh, feel a sense of safety through understanding. And I think that's what I see when people go to tour places like prisons or asylums. This idea is so far away from their experience, either, you know, the experience of of uh being in a space like that or meeting somebody who's done atrocious things. You know, a lot of us have a hard time wrapping our minds around how people can be capable of such violence. And when we go to these spaces, though, it might give us a feeling that we are gaining an understanding of that so that we can recognize the ways that we're different and what we might be able to do as a society to, you know, improve that situation so that violence isn't, um, you know, uh, rampant. But at the end of it, it is just trying to, to wrap our minds around things that we, we don't understand. There's also, of course, the, the thrill of doing fun, scary things like that's find houses. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the, you know, it can be um, just like a roller coaster or any thrill ride. You've got all this stimulation happening, hitting all of your different senses. Your sympathetic nervous system is kicking into high gear. So you've got all of the chemicals associated with that that when you're in a, a safe space with your friend um, can feel really good, can be labeled as, you know, the, the thrilling, fun excitement uh, rather than fear or terror. That was exactly what I was going to ask about too, was the roller coaster thing. Um, so many people love roller coasters, but then just as many people, uh, they hate roller coasters. Uh, I, Cause I was just curious as to, to why there is that fascination with, like you said, the, the thrill. Yeah, for some people, it might not feel good in their body. You know, people who associate... It doesn't for me. Yeah, it just isn't fun. And also there are differences in some of our internal systems that might not make it as enjoyable. For example, um, I don't like the spinning rides as much as I did when I was a kid. And I think that it's probably because my vestibular system, all my inner ear, the networks and everything are just not able to bounce back as quickly. And so that feeling is not pleasant anymore um so uh, i think as our body ages uh you know those different sensations take on uh, some different meanings you know one of the things that you know i really enjoyed uh, while reading your book was you kind of broke down fear into like a, a few different categories and you know you talked about physical fear psychological fear and then real fear can you kind of like tell us the difference between those three yeah, it was really an attempt to try and um, account for just the lack of language we have for describing, you know, this category of fun, scary, and distinguishing it from trauma, from, you know, times that are um, are not of our, our own choosing and result in very negative outcomes. Um, and then also talking about the uh, the responses that happen in our body. So, you know, it was it was really an attempt to say, okay, this is what the general fight or flight response looks like, and this response can happen 
uh, in times that we associate with, you know, real kind of fear, like walking down a dark alley at night, but also when we're on a roller coaster or going into a surprise party, you know, at a physiological level, uh, those uh, states look very similar. Um, and they're just given different meaning because of the context in which they're experienced. Whereas with like with what I call like the real fear is when uh, we're someplace or, or something is happening that we didn't choose, you know, it wasn't voluntary. We don't have a sense of agency or control over the situation. Um, the fun, scary experiences, uh, what my colleague and I have identified, are they really do depend on having a, a sense of agency that you have chosen to do this. Um, just like you would choose to run a marathon or uh, or go rock climbing, you're, you're choosing to take on this um, thing that is perceived as being scary, uh, but you're the one who is in control. And as soon as that agency is taken away, as soon as you no longer feel like you're choosing it, that's when the chance for trauma really comes in because uh, now, you know, it, it's no longer uh, uh, in your control. And, and that can feel incredibly vulnerable. And um, um, we then become focused on uh, true survival, you know, protection. What are we going to do in this instead of being able to, you know, feel the sensations of a roller coaster or, you know, appreciate the, the lighting design and the, the fun, startling sounds of a haunted house. You're actually thinking, oh, my gosh, my well-being is truly threatened. Um, so it changes the the focus of attention. This may seem like kind of an obvious question, but why do you think death is one of the greatest fears that people have? I think it's very difficult for us to comprehend, or wrap our minds around not being, you know, alive in this world, and and it's uh, it's something that we don't have any knowledge of uh, directly. You know, we humans are, are amazing. We can learn by reading. We can learn through stories. Um, but we we can't experience death and then come back and say, oh, okay, I know what this is going to be. And a so, dead per, a dead you know, never it, it's no longer scary. Um, so, uh, you know, the, that's part of the, the grand uncertainty of, of never really knowing 100% what is going to happen. Uh, and how it's going to happen. And for, for humans as well, you know, we're often more concerned for uh, the death of our loved ones or how our death will affect our loved ones. So it's not just a fear of death for ourselves, but the broader social context. Since we're, we're such social beings, we, you know, when we, we think about losing someone, we, it does feel like losing a, a real part of ourselves because we do uh, need each other so much. So it's a lot of a lot of things kind of wrapped up um, into just this one concept of death, and uh, when you start digging into it, it is it's just very layered. But at the end of it, it it's just a fundamental unknowing of of what will happen. You know, one thing that I've he I've heard a lot is that you know that public speaking seems to be a greater fear than the fear of death for a lot of people. And I was just wondering if you had the answer to why, or if you knew why. Yeah, so um, there are lots of uh, lots of things that that people have reported being more scary than death, and, and public speaking in the U.S. is definitely at the top of the charts, and it reflects the importance that we place on the judgment and perception of others. You know, we um, understand ourselves, and you know, uh, value ourselves and our self esteem. All of that is very tied up with how. Uh, 
we feel others are perceiving us and judging us. So in many ways, if we do poorly with public speaking, it's a kind of social death uh, and uh, a feeling that we're not going to be accepted. We're not going to be um, considered one of the in-group. And then once you take away that social support and the, the buffering, then life becomes even more terrifying because we've now lost the thing that was protecting us from uh, all of the, the fears out there. Um, so I think it, as we become an even more uh, interactive-based society where, where so much of our jobs, as we've moved into um, the service industry for many Americans, you know, moving into to jobs that are service-oriented, um, the focus and attention on interaction and um, being able to speak and communicate clearly is just going to get bigger, which means the fear of doing it poorly will get bigger as well. Um, so I have a question. Hey, what's the cat's name? Yes. I'm sorry about that. That is Furiosa the mouse killer or Fury. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is the yeah. greatest name ever. <laughs> that is the greatest <laughs> name for a cat ever. That is, that is awesome. But I, I have a question for you. Uh, so what I personally don't like feeling afraid and I know a lot of other people don't either and i know scientifically there is a benefit to it but what but but here's my question is there really a benefit to fear well it, it there's a benefit to challenging ourselves in ways that push us to grow as people um so it, it depends on on you know the 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 context um I certainly would never recommend that parents intentionally put their children in harm's way in a, in a way that's truly going to threaten them. But, you know, allowing kids or even as adults um, to go and experience uh, situations where they where they know that they can kind of push themselves can lead to to feelings of greater self-confidence and a sense of resilience. That's, that's what uh, my colleague in my research has shown is that these are just opportunities to kind of push ourselves and, and gain a sense of um, confidence in our ability to be competent and capable in times of, of stress. Um, just like everything else, being able to manage stress and, and fear is a skill. So the more capable we feel we are, um, the better able we are to manage uh, the, the, the times when stress is not of our choosing. You know, instead of going on a roller coaster, it's going to confront our coworkers or, um, you know, working up the courage to ask somebody out on a date. All of those things, we can get a greater sense of confidence around if we're used to pushing ourselves in those ways, you know, just used to saying, okay, this is something that's going to be really hard to do and I'm nervous and I'm scared but I'm going to do it anyway within the context of safety, you know, always safety first. Um, but it does allow us to, to understand how our body responds. So to become familiar with our own stress response uh, and to gain confidence that even in those times where we feel so stressed, we will eventually calm back down. So this feeling won't last forever. Just being reminded of that can be very helpful when dealing with real stressors. What are some of the ways in which people can overcome their fear? Uh, through safe confrontations, um, exposure therapy is very effective. But the, the big issue with exposure therapy is that it's typically, you know, if your phobia is that intense, then um, even simple exposure might seem like it's too much, that it's, it's too scary. Um, but if you can find ways to safely 
uh, confront the things that that you're afraid of within the context of support um, and uh, where agency is always you know maintained, then the research does uh, show that it can be very effective in, in overcoming. What's what's some of the stuff you know while you were researching while you were going around the world to these different scary places? You know what some of the stuff that surprised you the most in your research? Uh, what surprised me the most is that there were really no gender differences. Over two years of data collection um, from people who were choosing to go through haunted houses, uh, we asked a whole variety of questions before and after and asked questions about you know thrill-seeking or sensation-seeking and um, just kind of need for affect or how much people like just feeling emotions in general. And there were no differences by gender. And I was all set to write a, a paper on on gender differences, and uh, there just weren't any, um, none that were significant. So uh, I thought that that was very uh, interesting, and I think really challenges a lot of notions that women are either more fearful or that, you know, it's just young men who like to be scared. Um, that definitely was not supported by the data. In fact, uh, when you look at attendance to haunted attractions and even horror movies, it skews uh, slightly majority female. Um, and that, that also is linked, though, to that women in general are just more active consumers of, of uh, most things, um, especially entertainment or uh, kind of, you know, recreational activities. But in terms of the differences in sensation seeking and thrill seeking um, or experience ratings, uh, there were no significant differences. What are some of the other lessons that you learned while researching? Uh, I learned that when it when it comes to you know finding ways to to challenge yourself, it is important that it's always within a safe environment and that um, it has to be people's own choice to do it. So what I really kind of hated seeing were times where friends or even parents would try and drag kids into haunted houses or horror movies saying, oh no, it'll be good for you. And, um, and that's just, if it's, if somebody doesn't want, if it's not their choice, then, uh, it can be a really bad time. So, um, I learned that, that definitely if, if you have a friend who doesn't enjoy, uh, you know, horror movies, that's okay. You know, maybe they like, you know, doing something um, in sports or even um, just, you know, rollerblading or, or challenging themselves in other ways. And that's perfectly fine, too. My parents dragged me into a haunted house when I was a child, and I thought it was going to be a good time, but it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. It was yeah. Good time. That's what I, I, I tell parents, you know, and it's typically parents who say, oh, no, you know, I want my kids to love haunted houses. And I say, well, then don't drag them in. You know, let them choose it on their own. (laughs) For the record, I have never been back to a haunted house in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Margie, what are you, are you working on anything right now for any future projects on fear or anything like that? Yeah, my colleague and I are still, uh, we're writing up our data. We've got some articles in the works um, looking at how uh, and under what circumstances people can grow from, from doing scary things and just their emotional experiences before and after how they change. Um, so I'm working on that and then continuing to teach and uh, work on a, a couple other big writing projects. Cool. You know, one question that we always love to ask ask our guests, guests as we get ready to conclude is just, you know, what are you learning right now? And it could be about anything. 
Uh, what I'm learning right now is that at the end of the day, it really does come back to energy, <laughs> energy balancing in the body that, you know, everything that we do is taxing our body in some way, even mental activity, just thoughts themselves are always, um, you know, tapping into to our, uh, our energy reserves and that things like stress and fear definitely are, um, are big energy reserve users, you know, they, they draw a lot of resources from our body just in terms of, of um, glucose and just, you know, the, the fuel needed to carry out these things. So when we try and understand a lot of physical health and illness issues, um, we can't ignore the emotional side of it. You know, a lot of the metabolic issues, a lot of the um, mental health issues, you know, if we start thinking about how they're taxing our energy reserves and how our body is using um, and refueling, uh, I think that we'll find some enlightening answers. So that's what I'm learning right now. If they want to continue to learn from you, how can they do that? So uh, they can visit my website. It's www.margieker.com. Uh, or follow me on any social media platform. I'm uh, Margie Kerr on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Snapchat. Don't really snap too much, um, but uh, yeah, that's where they can find me. And then, of course, my book is available. Uh, it should be available everywhere books are sold. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Margie. So, Todd, I know that you're a fearful person. Shut up. So what's something that you took away from this episode? Well, for one, I loved the marketing job that they did. They released this book on Halloween this year. So this past year. So that's my first thing that I wanted to say that I learned. It was awesome. My other, my real thing, my real thing. Sorry, Caleb, but my real thing was as I was just talking to her, you know, she went to all these places that were just like the scariest places in the world. And, 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 and she, she experienced them. But it wasn't so much that fear was, was like this emotion that 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 we all that we all, it was like more of an instinct. It was something that it was it was, was self preservation and an instinct, and how that actually is beneficial. I don't necessarily always think of fear as being beneficial. Like when I think of fear, it's it's a negative thing. It's like something that I want to get rid of, or you, know, you, you need to you need to figure out and work that yeah, out. We we shouldn't be going closer to fear. We right. should be running away from fear. But I but I guess that the main thing I got from her is. Fear is actually a tool. It's actually a tool that can be used and harnessed just like any other emotion that we have or just like any other any exercise that we try. Fear is a tool to be used, not feared. Unless you're in a scary movie. Or unless you watch the movie It. Don't, I mean, okay, if you like those kind of movies, watch it. But I watched it, I can't. I can't do scary movies, I'm out. Either way, if you run if you run into a monster or just a clown, just stay away. Or a demonic clown. Stay away. Just run away. Don't go towards it. Don't go towards the fear. Don't do it. it. Anyway, if you enjoyed this conversation, if you learned something about fear, you know, let us know on our social platforms on Instagram. Our handle is at the Learners Corner or hit us up on Twitter at Learners Podcast. 
like our Facebook page, comment on our wall, let us know what you learned from this episode, from other episodes. And again, if you joined, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. This is our final week of releasing two episodes a week. Woo! Todd is excited because he doesn't have to do as much editing. Yay! <laughs> but we got one more episode this Thursday, and we have a great conversation where we're going to be talking about the case against education. That's right. We said against. And so the best way to make sure that you don't miss this next episode is by subscribing to this podcast on whatever podcast player you use. Now, also, if you've enjoyed this episode, if you've learned something from this episode, or you just want to share what you're learning about, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, particularly on iTunes. iTunes is the biggest podcast um, platform that there is. And so leave us a rating, write us a review, let us know what we can do better, or just subscribe on your podcast player as well. You can also at us and tell us things that you're afraid of. Most unique one wins my undying love forever. So you can hit Todd up on that or on our social media platforms as well. And just let us know what you're currently learning about. Also, if you want to see any of the resources, if you want to see our podcast or our what we learned about this week, our podcast approved resource or Margie's book. We can look in the show notes as well for any of those things. And so until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.